You are listening to the Reality Church Ventura podcast, a collection of sermons from our weekly Sunday gatherings. To learn more about reality, visit us online at realityventura.com. Hi, everyone. My name is Chrissy. I have the privilege of serving in kids' ministry and as our church bookkeeper. Today's scripture passage is from 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. This is God's word. know me know that right super those of you who don't know need prayer and need to know that supercross is dirt bike racing so, well supercross is one of those sports that's just gone through a lot of change in my life I, 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 i've i've loved actually most of some of the change that's been happening um, but i remember about 15 years ago 14 years ago when x games introduced the, uh, if you guys are motocross or supercross fans 
A few of you I know are. Um, you'll remember when they introduced women's supercross. Yeah, my friend and I, especially maybe, maybe my little brother and I, would be, we're like, this is going to be lame, you know? Anyway, we watched it, and it was, it was, it was awesome. Like, the, the ladies are way closer in competition to one another than the guys are. Like, the guys, there seems to be like one or two guys that just steal the race kind of thing, where it was, it was actually awesome to watch. And um, I remember, in, as most Supercross fans that were following back then, remember Vicky Golden. She won three years in a row, untouchable. But like I said, the races were close. It was fun to watch. See, everybody rem- remembers Vicky from back then, but what we, we don't remember Megan Rutledge. Now, in, in, in the third season, Megan Rutledge gave Vicky a run for her money, won about half the races. They were swapping the points leaders th- throughout the season. And then in the championship race, Megan Rutledge dominated, like was out ahead. And in the final lap, 12-lap race, okay, it's, you're tired after 12 laps. I can barely ride two right now. After a 12-lap race, last lap, okay, there's this big tabletop before a couple turns in the finish. She goes over this tabletop, and and it was like steeper than your average tabletop, but she hits that thing, and she just fist pumps in the air, and the crowd went wild. Well, that little fist pump took her a little bit off balance, and she had a very minor crash, but she crashed, landed, and hopped back on to start her bike, and right as she gets on her bike, Vicky passes her, wins for the third year in a row. In that moment, Megan Rutledge, without knowing it, years before it would become a thing, um, created the best Celebrate Too Soon video on YouTube. Uh, if you've not seen it, just YouTube Megan Rutledge. Sadly, that's what she's known for. She actually is an amazing writer and a coach now. But Megan had this minor crash, Celebrating Too Soon. And, you know, we, some of us really enjoy watching videos like that, right? Like the people that are running and they're like, Ooh, and the second place guy just passes them right before the finish line. But we sort of love that kind of stuff. You know, it's funny in a weird, morbid way, but see, athletes aren't the only people that create that dynamic, right? Athletes aren't the only ones who are eager for things to be over, right? So they can start celebrating their victory. I think that we tend to find those sorts of videos funny because they do hit so close to home for us. Because all of us face hard seasons. Some of us really long, hard, painful trials even in our life. We all face the temptation to tap out of the race early, either to celebrate or to cry, right? And some here today might struggle with wanting to bail out as hard times rage around you. Maybe today your thoughts of giving up have overwhelmed you. Maybe, maybe you're like in a place where you're wondering how you could go on. Listen, your thoughts of giving up are not unique to you. This is a common struggle. The Apostle Paul faced unbelievable hardship and painfully long seasons in his life. And Paul's letters give us a glimpse into how Paul faced these trials, these temptations, these like genuine, legit hardships in his life. And what we see in our passage today is Paul is dependent upon prayer. Now, you might be aware of some of the hardships that Paul faced, but if you're not, just quickly, a quick little summary of some of the things. He, he endured four separate shipwrecks. One of them, he ended up spending an entire night and then a whole day out in the open sea clinging to a piece of the ship. He was imprisoned several times. Uh, He's repeatedly beaten and whipped. Uh, He was lied to. He was lied about. He was accused of lying. He was persecuted by nearly everyone, right? The Jews, uh, the Gentiles, the Christians were suspicious of him. 
He knew many cold and sleepless nights. Right on top of all that, he was a church planner that would go out planning churches and it would take months sometimes to hear back from people when you write them a letter. And so, yeah, I'm sure he was constantly anxious to know how the churches were doing and how the leadership was doing. See, if life was a race, which the Bible tells us it's like a race, then Paul's race is like a mud run, right? It was a slog. It was heavy. It was hard. And here in 2 Thessalonians that we're studying as a church, Paul teaches, he instructs, and he encourages this church all of the while as he's asking them for prayer. Paul was desperate for prayer, asking for prayer. And then um, as he's asking, he just starts like he can't help it. Uh, is, is like, will you please pray for me? And then as in the same breath, he starts praying for them. He starts sharing words of encouragement to the same people that he's requesting prayer from. It's a beautiful picture of Paul's humility. We see this beautiful picture of mutual prayer, a picture of what the church should look like, that we would have the humility to go to one another, to ask for prayer. Paul recognizing his own needs for prayer as he acknowledges and understands the continual need for prayer that all Christians have. And in this example of mutual prayer, we discover a model for our own lives and for our life together as the church. We need prayer and so does everyone else. And so the title of the sermon, as I mentioned, is How to Ask for Prayer. And in this passage of scripture, we see three areas that each of us need prayer for every day. And Paul is asking, in this, in, in similarly in his life, he, he needs prayer for purpose, that he would remain purposeful on, on mission uh, according to God's purpose. Uh, he's praying for, asking for prayer for protection. And he's asking for prayer for perseverance. Purpose, protection, perseverance. So how do we ask for prayer? Well, Paul's first request we see is for purpose, that we would ask the Lord that we would be purposeful people, that we would live our lives purposefully for God's glory and not for our own. Here's Paul's request in verse one, second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you. See, with all Paul's hardships, the persecution, the legal troubles that he would continuously face in his life, the physical and emotional abuse he lived with, the loneliness he must have experienced traveling around uh, as, a, as a single dude, right? The, the hard people, the opposition he had to deal with, uh, with all of the radical hardship that the apostle Paul faced in his personal life, he must have been tempted to simply sit back, look at his achievements, right? Pump his fist in victory and just call it quits, right? That, that seems to be a common theme. As we get older and it's like, oh, my knees are giving out. So like, yeah, I had a good run. I think I'm just going to sit out this next round. That had to have been a temptation for Paul. But Paul knew that life's purpose is much bigger than our own personal preferences. He knew that life's purpose, God's purpose for our life is much bigger than our own personal comfort. And he saw himself as a part of something much bigger than himself. Paul knew that his physical limitations, his intellectual limitations, his emotional limitations were not God's limitations. 
God and his purpose for your life is not limited by your limitations. But like all people, I'm sure Paul faced the temptation to cave in and just give up, right? Out of frustration, out of exhaustion. And so Paul asks for prayer for purpose, that he would not lose sight of the purpose of his life. He doesn't want to run the race aimlessly. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, fist pump and, and kind of celebrate too soon for his glory and just cra- kind of crash out of the race. Paul prays for God's purpose, that God's purpose in him, for him, would be fulfilled in his life and through his life, even though he found himself in prison much of the time, even though he suffered physical pain and physical hardship. Paul prays for God's purpose to be achieved in his life. And this purpose for Paul's life is the same purpose that God has given each of us for our lives. We find purpose and vision for our life when we look at the Apostle Paul's life. Because we, like Paul, were made to give love, to give life, and to give purpose to the world around us. We, we were created in the image of God, redeemed, that image of God being redeemed in us, and then the mission of God set within our heart to share the love of God with a world that does not know love, to bring hope into a world that does not know hope. We give love to others as we share the love of God with the people in our life. Right now, wherever you're planted, in your neighborhood, in your school, on your sports team, at the office, with your colleagues, with your family, with your extended family. See, God's love in us becomes his love for others as we sacrifice and serve the people and the community around us. People are introduced to God's love through us. When we live purposefully, God's love is obvious. That's why we make tremendous investments as individuals. Like there's a big group of us going to the UK this summer. We're not going there because we all have the money and it's easy for us to afford. That's exactly the opposite of what it's like. We're going because we know God has put his love for us and he's sending us to a place where people don't know God's love purposefully going into a situation where we have the opportunity to share the love of God with other people. We give love. We also give life in our relationships with others. We are a new creation in Jesus. Those of us that follow Jesus, God has has begun a good work in us and continues a good work in us. And so that means that our relationships start to change. We're different people, and so our relationships are different. We have all the love we need in Jesus, right? As you grow to know Jesus more, you will require less from the people in your life. As Jesus fills you with his love, you will, you will require less of that love from others. As, as your identity in Christ grows, you will require less of your identity to be based on the people you know and the people groups and the connectors, like the name droppers, right? Like, oh, I was just at so-and-so's house and hanging out with so-and-so. You know, like, you might have heard from about him. You know, like, that, like we, we don't need that anymore because we have everything we need in Christ. And so that changes what we talk about. That changes like where our value comes from. If your love and your value and your, your like sense of completeness and wholeness comes from Christ, then you're not trying to take that from other people that you're in relationship with. We have all the love we need in Jesus. So we no longer take from others. 
We now give in relationship. Now, this is a process. This is something that we're growing into. This means that we're, we're growing to become faithful and loyal. Like, like our yes means yes. We're, we're growing in that. Those are, those are characteristics that all Christians are growing in. We're growing in prioritizing our listening to others, listening well and speaking less so that other people feel heard. We're, we're growing in our sense of like, man, I need, to, I need to share a word of encouragement. I need to share the truth and the value that God has, has given in me. I, I need to share that with other people. Those are characteristics that God is growing in us. And as the those changes happen in us. And again, it's a process. As we're changed by God, our life with others starts to give life to the other people who do life with us. When we live purposefully, we bring life to others because of Christ in us. The third part of a purposeful life is that we now give purpose to others. Right, We do this as we love others, and people start to respond to this love. They start to recognize this love. Listen, lives and families and communities are changed when we live purposefully. People get to experience God's love as we grow to love and serve others selflessly. Now, that's countercultural, right? That we would live for the benefit of others rather than living for the benefit of ourselves. That flies in the face of culture. It stands out in the, in the sense that people aren't used to other people prioritizing them without wanting something from them. We were made in God's image, that image being restored in Christ, to give love, to give life, and to give purpose to the world around us. And Paul asks for prayer in our passage today that he would be faithful to God's, those purposes in his life. Now, this is important because there's so many other things that we can focus on in our life rather than loving people well, rather than offering hope and purpose and life and joy to the people around it. We can focus on things and, and they're not necessarily bad things. We can focus on really good things, important things. But we focus on these things, we tend to hyper-focus, if you're anything like me, on things that, that, that don't have to do with God's purpose in our life. It has to do more with dealing with the fear in our life, or dealing with a sense of instability in our life, or dealing with some of the things that God has promised to fulfill and complete in our life for us. We start to fill those areas with other things, and again, not all of them are bad things. But Paul is saying, I don't want to be distracted by my personal finances. I don't want to be distracted uh, by this, this, this loss of, of social value that I'm feeling in my life. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be distracted by uh, income and savings as being the, the, the two indicators that I'm a successful person. Paul is saying, I want my life to be lived on purpose for the glory of God. And he needs prayer in order to achieve that goal. And just as Paul demonstrates in his prayer, there's also an enemy that we face. And so Paul humbles himself. He asks for prayer that he would remain faithful to God's purposes in life. Because while God has given us a new purpose in life, right, to give love, life, and purpose to others, we have to recognize that we live life facing an enemy whose goal is exactly the opposite of that. And Jesus teaches about this enemy. He calls the enemy a thief in John chapter 10. And he says this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, I have come that they may have life 
and have it to the full. See, this is the second way that Paul teaches us to pray. Is he teaches us to pray for protection. And knowing that there's an enemy that opposes the work of God, that opposes the people of God, knowing that there are evil people who make life difficult, Paul is requesting prayer and he's offering words of encouragement to the people from whom he's asking prayer. Because it is impossible for us to face our enemy and to face our enemies alone. And so Paul is like rallying the people, the Christians in his life, saying, please pray for me. Look at this in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 2. He goes, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. How many of you guys have ever had to deal with wicked and evil people? People that just take. People who insult. People who cut you down. Right, or they cut you down and then they want to pretend like it never happened. Right, like, Or people who gaslight you. People who lie to you. People who make promises and then don't fulfill your, their promises. Right? People who make, live to make your life miserable. We've all had to deal with wicked people. And Paul, here, he's, here he is, asking for prayer. He goes, man, that I might be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith. Verse 3, he goes, but the Lord is faithful. So it's not the faithfulness of other people that Paul's not saying, hey, help me to be faithful, you know, like really kind of lean into the right people. He's, he's saying the Lord is faithful. I want to lean into the Lord. And then here comes the encouragement. He goes, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. See, Paul's not putting himself on some higher category as a Christian here. He isn't saying, well, you know, after all, I am an apostle. I am a church planner. I am a pastor. So of course I receive the most, you know, opposition or whatever, like putting himself in some weird place. Like there's no weird place, right? Like, Like he's acknowledging, like he's requesting prayer for the opposition that everyone in this room faces from evil people and from the evil one, right? These evil people and the devil, Satan, the evil one, they all resist God's purpose for our life. And it's important for you to know that you have an enemy in your life. There's, there is one who opposes the work of God in your life. Now remember, Jesus said that there is an enemy and he, came to, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that, what that means is that life apart from God's love leaves us wide open to Satan's destructive schemes. Life apart from God's love leaves us empty and aching for purpose and for meaning. We live in a world that aches and longs for purpose and meaning and hope. Because apart from God, apart from God, we are nothing but stolen from. And Satan is opposed to God. And he works to resist, sabotage, and discourage all people from knowing God. And then you add in the fact that there are wicked people in the world. And we quickly see how life can become difficult and oppressive. And Paul knew this firsthand. Paul experienced relational and personal opposition. And he experienced large-scale spiritual opposition. Paul knew hardship. Paul knew spiritual opposition. And so he knew, he was aware of the fact that he needed protection. And as we begin to live our lives according to God's purposes, we will quickly find that we become targets for the enemy. As soon as the Lord begins a good work in you and you acknowledge that and you're like, yes, Lord, I want to see that work grow. At that moment, Satan is like, okay, we have a threat over here. And the work of opposition begins. We start to experience opposition from others 
that never seemed to be there before. We start to experience uh, discouragement and circumstances and, 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 and battles within ourselves that we didn't have before. See, we face an enemy. And in the face of opposition, Paul is showing us, man, we need to ask for prayer. And if you're in that spot today, you're like, dude, I, I for sure have an enemy and it ain't the devil, I can give you his name right now, right? I can give you their cell phone number, right? Man, you need to ask for prayer because you have, you've, you've got double enemy going on right there. You've got like big spiritual oppression and you've got a jerk making your life miserable. You need prayer. But we also, not only do we need prayer and need to ask people for prayer, we also need to like invite people to, to ask us to pray for them. We need to be praying for others because none of us in this room is in like a good spot where you don't have to worry about opposition. If you're in a good spot and you're not worried about the devil opposing you, that means that you're not seeking God's purpose for your life. And the enemy is like, that's kind of safe. I'll just leave that one alone, right? Like I can direct my efforts on people that are trying to grow. But if you're in a spot where you're saying yes to Jesus, you're in a spot where you're like, I know that on my own, I'm not going to achieve anything in my life that's worth it. That on my own efforts, everything is going to fail. That I need the grace of God, the power of God, the strength of God. I need encouragement. I need deliverance. I need help. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, in the control room of, you know, hell or wherever Satan is right now, he's just like, hey, we've got a spiritual threat. We, we, like, like, we need to get on this right now. And a lot of you guys are on Satan's radar, and we need to remember that we're fighting a spiritual battle, and we weren't made to fight the spiritual battle alone. God has put you in community. So look around. Here's your community, right? You know, hopefully you've got even more than this. But like, if you don't, here it is. Ask for prayer. Because you need prayer and the people praying for you need prayer as well. The enemy would love for us to focus on discouragement. The enemy would love for us to focus on the heaviness of life, right? The hardship of life. They're like, man, I'm going through this thing and people don't understand. I'm going through this thing and people don't even reach out. I'm going through, some of that might be very true. But listen, God meets you right where you're at and he gives you what you need. Even at your lowest point, God will give you a joy. Now, it may not be like jump up and down for joy type of joy, but in the midst of oppression and hardship and struggles, in the midst of cancer battles, in the midst of like children who are sick or death in the family, in the midst of our low places, God will bring you joy. God can bring you peace. God can bring you deliverance from the evil one. God can put a sense of purpose in your life even in the dark valley. And maybe today you need prayer to be delivered from the schemes of evil people in your life. Maybe you find yourself treading water in life. It's just, maybe it's not an individual, it's like a whole bunch of individuals or a whole bunch of circumstances and you're just trying to keep your mouth above water so you can take another breath. Or perhaps it's been a while since you experienced the freedom and the love and the joy of your new life in Jesus Right? Like, like the enemy's just been attacking you on all fronts, and you're like, man, I, I just I need this the joy of my salvation revived. Paul's encouragement for you is to ask for prayer for protection. As he does. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. We all need prayer for deliverance. We all need prayer to be strengthened in the Lord. The devil wants to weaken and discourage you, but God will strengthen you and fill you with purpose. 
And this isn't a one-time thing. We need to pray for continuous protection and deliverance and strength. And as we pray for purpose, and as we pray for protection, we also need to pray for perseverance. That's our third point today. We see Paul praying for perseverance. We need prayer for perseverance. Look at verses 4 and 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Now, Paul is encouraging the church to continue, right? To continue in what they've been doing. And he prays for the Lord to direct their hearts into his love. Now, that's a picture of true encouragement. That's a picture of of pointing someone to where true courage comes from. You can offer someone true courage when you direct them to God's love for them. True encouragement is refreshing, especially in our world that is full of false hopes. Because the hope that we have in Christ does not disappoint. Paul doesn't attempt to flatter anyone here. Like, he's not like, I know you can do it. Just try harder. Just look at what you've done in the past. You know, like you're, the, you're a th- three-time champion at, at beating this. So let's make it a fourth, right? Like Paul's not like calling you to a, appeal to your strength or your willpower. He doesn't appeal to the person's strength. He doesn't appeal to any person's uh, faithfulness. He says that he has confidence in these people. He says, in the Lord right? That they will continue to be faithful in the Lord. And so he doesn't direct the praise at the people. He also doesn't pin their hope for the future on their ability to be faithful. He says that his confidence is in the Lord. If you want to encourage someone, man, invite them into a life with Jesus and then direct them to put their confidence in the Lord. When hardship hits, the Lord is like a rock, the stable one. And so why is Paul so confident here? Like, is, is it, it's like Paul is super Christian and he's got this ability to identify other super Christians and they have the ability to withstand temptation? Because I know a lot of people are like, well, dude, the temptation of my life is crazy. I've got like, like patterns in my life. I've got habits. I've got addictions. I've got things, right? Are these people just, do they, they just have the willpower to make the character changes that they know they need to, that need to be made in their life? I mean, how many times have I tried in my life to just do better on my own? The answer is a lot, right? How many times have I been successful at that? The answer is not, not a lot. How many times have I made promises to God that I will just inevitably break? I've done that a lot in my life. See, Paul is writing to ordinary people like me who have tried and failed. Ordinary people. But ordinary people who follow Jesus, even though we mess up. And so Paul is confident, not in the people, he's confident in the Lord for the people, the Lord who is in the people, because God is at work in them. And so Paul encourages them to remain in God's love, to allow their hearts to be directed into God's love. God's love is the source of encouragement. God's love is the source of our strength, is the source of our peace. That's where we find perseverance. And he says to persevere in God's love. Persevere in God's love. How do we do that? By remaining dependent upon God's love, right? But just by being 
singularly focused on our dependence on God's love. Because here's the thing. I remember when I was younger, going to a retreat, coming back fired up about Jesus and fired up about my life with God. So fired up about the Bible. I just heard this sermon. I was convinced that no Christian in my life had ever heard a sermon like this. I had so many nugs to share with people, right? Day two in, I forgot that I own a Bible. I forgot all about, you know, all about camp. I'm back to my regular routine, you know? And then like a week later, we're at youth group and the youth pastor was like, hey, you want to share some testimonies? And you're like, oh yeah, camp was kind of awesome. What happened? You know? And it's like, it's not that I didn't want to follow Jesus. It's just that I forget. There's so many distractions in life. And some of them are pretty good distractions, right? And here's the thing. I had to get to the point in my life where I had to be so honest with people around me and, and with God that I had to like, the, the problem is that I just, I just forget. It's not, and that's like embarrassing, right? That's like humiliating. You're like, wait, you forget about God? Like, what? yeah, I kind of do, actually. I'm kind of an idiot that way. And I need prayer. And, and, and I don't need encouragement from you in that. I need strength from God in that. Because if I'm going to grow, I need to remain dependent upon God's love and not become dependent on the fact that I'm good at this or that I need to try harder at that or that you know, I, I have the opportunity to work another shift and become busier. Like I need to grow in my dependence upon the Lord. It's a good word of encouragement for us today. Persevere in God's love. Remain dependent upon God's love. See, we carry on in our life by allowing God to carry us. If you're going through hardship right now and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to carry on. You're not going to carry on through that hardship, at least not gracefully or well or for God's glory, unless you allow God to carry you through hardship. We are dependent upon God's love. And if you lack strength today, allow God to be your strength. Lean into the love of God. And so how will you ask for prayer today? How are you going to ask for purpose and protection and perseverance? Well, step one is to ask. Step one is to go to another person and say, I need prayer. I need God's help. Pray for God's purpose for your life today. I dare you. Ask the Lord that he would be purposeful, that you would grow to become a a purposeful person, that you would live your life on purpose for God's purpose. Ask him that. Say, God, I want to be a purposeful person. Uh, Tell someone, say, "I, I need prayer in my life because I want to become a purposeful person, living for God's glory and not my own. Ask for the Lord to motivate you to give love and life and purpose to the people around you. Maybe, you've, maybe you have this tendency to just be all about yourself, right? I need to motivate myself, right? I need to motivate myself. You know, I, I need love from other people. I, I need people to give me life. I need people to give me, give me and give me and give me. Like, ask for that from God. If you're gonna take from someone, take from God. Receive his love. It's a free gift after all. Pray for God's purpose for your life today. Also, pray for God's protection for your life, for the Lord to deliver you from the schemes of evil people and the devil. And this is something, if you've never done, you're like, "Uh, it's kind of weird for me to pray against like the devil. Well, as weird as that is, the reality is, if you're attempting to follow Jesus, you have an enemy that is opposing that work. And you need prayer. 
If, if, you've, if you've fallen into discouragement, if you've fallen into despair, if you've fallen into a depression, if you've fallen into a place of deep sadness, if you've fallen into a place of deep pride and you think too much of yourself and you're like me, you're like, well, I just don't think about my need for God because quite honestly, I'm kind of awesome. You know, like if, if you've fallen into a place where, where you just are disconnected from your need for God, I dare you to tell someone that and ask for prayer because God will change your heart. God will align your heart with his. Pray for God's protection from the evil one, for deliverance from attacks on your marriage, on your purity, on your friendships, on your family relationships, on your neighborhood relationships, right? Some, some of us allow a barking dog to be the reason that we don't share the love of God with someone in our neighborhood, right? I've done that, right? <laughs> Man, pray for protection. That's, a, that's, that's as spiritual as it is in the flesh, right? Like God wants to create walls and give you, excuse, God wants to tear down the walls and the excuses in your life. The reasons that you're not loving the people that he has planted you to grow around. And then finally, we need to pray for perseverance. To persevere for our hearts and our minds to be directed into the love of God. That is God's, as God's love fills our hearts that our lives would continue to reflect and shine his love into the people around us. That we would be purposeful to love people and persevere in our love for others. Church, today, let's humble ourselves before God. Let's humble ourselves before one another and allow our hearts to be directed into God's love as we ask for prayer and as we pray for one another. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, God, for your incredible love for us. That God, while, while we find ourselves wandering, and certainly before we even knew that we had hope, that God, you loved us so much that you created a rescue plan. You created the opportunity, the gift that pulls us out of our sin, that pulls us out of our hopelessness, that pulls us out of our separation from you, God. Today, Lord, once again, we want to respond and receive that gift of your love in Jesus. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in each of our hearts this morning. God, that you would cause us to respond today, as the Apostle Paul does here, to see, to recognize our need for prayer. And then for your Holy Spirit to motivate us to ask. And pray, Lord, that you would minister to us, that you'd minister through us. That today we wouldn't just make commitments, but today we would surrender to you. Direct our hearts into your love as we respond now. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the promise that you are with us. When we draw near to you, you draw near to us. This morning we say yes, Lord, we, we draw near to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.